0: I want you. I want to bring you two messages this morning. You say two messages, preacher. Oh, it's going to take about the same amount of time. I'm going to bring you a message on the love of God and the love for God in the same message. I want you to take some notes this morning as we look at the love of God forward slash the love for God. Ephesians chapter 3. As we open our Bibles this morning, we should all be aware that this book is God's love letter to the world. God's love letter to the world. You know what? When I was in the fourth and fifth grade, some little girls wrote me some love letters. I still have those in a cigar box at home. Now, I wasn't smoking cigars in the fourth grade, but I did have a box. You know, we used to send love letters to each other. You know, will you touch hands with me in the hall? And now, we, you know, it'd be easy to be, have lots of girlfriends today. I mean, you can text and just copy and paste. <laughs> I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad God wrote us a love letter. This book is not about the condemnation of the world. This book is about the salvation of the world. For the Son of Man came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This book is not about God's hatred for sin. It's about God's love for the sinner. And the love of God goes beyond anything we can imagine. For Christ came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We're not here to preach condemnation. We're here to preach this morning. We have a hope We have heaven. Hey, it's a joy to be saved. It's a joy to know that God loves us. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the day, grateful for this time together that we have. I pray you'd bless our service and all that's come out this morning to meet with you. I pray, Father, you'd meet with us. Pour your spirit into our hearts as we preach the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. From a child, we all memorized that little verse for God so loved the world. I'm going to tell you about that so loved. It's not just God loved the world. God so loved the world. We sing about the great compassion and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. To me, the most beautiful words that were ever penned were part of that song of the love of God. If we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill... And every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. Oh love of God how rich and pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angel's song. Those words were penned by on the, they were found pinned on the inside of a cell of a man who was supposed to be demented. I say if that man was demented, he had a relationship with God. To pin such beautiful words, only a man with a heart for God could pin those words. Let me tell you something. The world may consider us to be insane, but I'd rather be considered mad and insane and know the love of God than have the world. Amen. Amen. What would it profit a man if he would gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I'd rather have my faith in the love of God. The Bible says that faith is the evidence of things not seen and the substance of things that are hoped for. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said this. I'm talking about the still carrying the idea of the thought of the man with a demented mind who knew the love of God. Jesus said this. At that time, Jesus answered as he prayed in Matthew 11 and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and from the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. You know what God's done? (laughs) God has revealed himself to those who are base. And those who seem to be the common man and the salt of the earth people. God has revealed his great love. I'd rather know the love of God than have a PhD. I'd rather know the love of God than have a big bank account. I'd rather know the love of God than be the greatest athlete the world has ever seen. The love of God means more and should be the priority. God help us to perceive this great love. The Bible says, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world which are despised. Yea, listen to me. Yea, hath God chosen the base things of the world and the things which are not to bring to naught the things which are. God has chosen us as just common people to Love us and sin so great a salvation and he wants us to comprehend the depth of his love I think of the Egyptians how how the Egyptians despised when when the Israelites were in Egypt and the Egyptians despised them you know why they despised them because they were common people because they were cattlemen you can read it in the Bible the the Israelites were were common people and they were cattlemen and they were herders and shepherds and Egypt said we're not gonna live with that bunch send them down there to Goshen we'll enslave them but we don't even want to live next to them but God listen to me God chose that nation of shepherds and farmers and and herders and base people God chose that nation and delivered them with a great deliverance why because he loved them He loved his people. The world to me may look at me and see me as demented or twisted, but to know the love of God means more. Look at Ephesians 3, verse number 19. Ephesians 3, 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. I'll take the fullness of God over the fullness of the world. Look at the previous verse that says this, that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height of the love of God. Did you realize that God wants us to comprehend His love? He wants us to grasp His love. I don't always have the ability, I'm just being honest with you, I don't have the ability to grasp this great love of God. Sometimes it's beyond my comprehension. I don't always have the ability, but I believe it by faith. I, don't, I can't always get a hold of it, but I trust the Word of God. I can't always just reach out and... Grab it by faith, but I I can move forward with my faith. Amen. Paul said this, that you might know the breadth, the length, and the depth. That's three dimensions. But he added a fourth when he said the height. Man works in three dimensions. Everything we do is in three dimensions. But you hear me this morning. There is a spiritual dimension and science overlooks it. And the intelligent overlooks it. And the atheist overlooks it. But the spiritual dimension is the most important dimension. It's the fourth dimension and it is mentioned here as the height and it ought to be where we put the priority in the spiritual dimension. And yet you and I are so prone as fleshly individuals to put all of our priorities in the fleshly dimension. The length and the breadth and the depth. But oh, God help us to get a hold and comprehend the height of the love of God. Oh my. Lisa's daddy was dying with cancer. Here was a man who, who had who'd been a deacon all of his life. A Sunday school teacher served the church to the best of his ability. Was in what they call the over the hill gang. Where they mowed the yard on Thursdays. Papa had served the Lord all of his life. And right before he died. He bowed his head at the table to pray. And his tears began to stream from his eyes. As he thanked God for the love of God. And when he got through praying with the tears dripping off of his cheeks. He said this. Uh, I never. I never knew the love of God until cancer struck me down. What a saying. I couldn't perceive the love of God. I, I didn't really know the depth of the love of God until all this happened to me. Oh my goodness. What a wonderful day when you and I can finally comprehend the love of God. What a wonderful day. The Bible says, not written with ink, but written with the Spirit of God. Not written on tables of stone, but on fleshly tables of the heart. Oh, God, help us one day that this word will jump off of the page, this black and white, and get into the red of our heart. Help us to comprehend this deep love of God. You see, preacher wise, it's so hard to comprehend because I don't understand how God could love me. I look at George and I say, Lord, how could you love me with all of my sin, with all of my problems, with all of my issues? With all my temptations and my lusts and my desires and my flesh, Lord, how could you love me? You see my shortcomings. You observe my sin. You see the times that I was wrong and yet you still love me and my mind goes into oblivion and I cannot perceive the love of God. I don't understand how God could love me. I review my life and see my own failures. I can apply logic, but it doesn't make sense because I don't deserve to be loved by God. I can apply reasoning, but the reasonable thing for God to do was punish me and put me in hell. Amen. The rational thing for God to do, it just made sense to judge me and condemn me, but yet the love of God steps in and takes away my judgment, takes away my condemnation and restores me in a relationship with Him. I say the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. The unconditional love of God goes farther than my neural receptors can get a hold of. The love of God goes farther than my neocortex can sort out. My heart has to grasp it. Sometimes my brain gets involved and the devil gets involved in my brain and the love of God can't get in my heart. Because my brain tries all these, goes through all these reasonable, rational, logical things of why God shouldn't love me. And it's blocked from my heart and then sometimes it gets in. Oh, praise God. When the heavens stop being brass and there's no block between the mind and the heart and the spirit reaches down and pours in the very love of God and tears begin to stream from my eyes when I realize that God did love me unconditionally. The unmerited, unconditional favor of God has been poured out to us. The love of God goes deeper than my brain can process, but my heart can process it, son. Amen. The spiritual things are of the heart. The love of God can forgive sins. The love of God can heal broken hearts. The love of God can give peace to a troubled world. The love of God can place in us a feeling of value, of self-worth. The love of God can meet those needs. Amen there was a strange survey that went out here a while back and it was what are the three sayings that people like to hear the most. The first saying was, I love you. We want to hear that the most. The second three word saying was, I forgive you. We want to hear that the second most. And the third thing we want to hear the most in three words is, supper is ready. Amen. You know what that means? Listen to me carefully. That I have a spiritual and an emotional and a physical need. And all three of those can be met in the love of God. (laughs) That sums it all up. God can accommodate all of that. You know, here lately there's been some debate. I don't even know where it came from originally. Does God love sinners? And there have been even been posts and things that, that God hates sin and He hates the sinner too. Well, wait a minute. We better go back to Scripture on that. We better go look at see, and see what God says. In Romans 5, 6, the Bible says, For when we were with it without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. If God doesn't love the sinner, why did he die for the ungodly? Somebody say amen. Oh, listen. Sure, God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. Oh, my goodness. The Bible says when we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. Let me ask you a question. Do you love the street person in Chilhalla enough to give your life for him? Jesus did. Do you love the active shooter that got loose in Michigan enough to die for him? Jesus did. He died for the ungodly. What about the drunk driver that wrecked and took the life of your family member? Do you love that person enough to die for it? Jesus did. He died for the ungodly. <laughs> they put me on jury duty one time. I'll tell you where my, how far my love goes. They put me on jury duty one time. And there was a guy who came in. And this was his fifth DUI driving under the end. fifth he was going to kill somebody and I was sitting on a jury and a lawyer came up and he was questioning the jurors and he said is anybody on this jury believes that drinking is a sin I said yes sir I do he said uh, do you think that that would uh, 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 askew your ability to use good judgment I said yes sir I do I'll throw the book at the sucker <laughs> he said strike him off the jury I walked off the jury smiling. And guess what? Everybody else got religion too. They wanted off. They did it because they, but listen, hey, what are you saying, preacher? At times I don't have compassion on the sinner. That man on the street got on drugs because he, that was his choice. Amen. I lose compassion for him. Listen to me. Jesus never loses compassion for the sinner. Christ died for the ungodly. The next verses say, Yet scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man will some even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Do y'all get that? While we were yet sinners, yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh my goodness. God is not saying, You change and I will love you. He's saying, i love you, and I'll change you. Amen. He's not saying, huh, I hate sinners. If you think God hates sinners, listen to me carefully. I'm going to make this statement. I will not retract it. If you think that God hates sinners, you don't need to go back to theology class. You need to go to the foot of the cross. I'd like to say that again, but I don't have time. Praise God, I hope that sinks sink in. The Bible says he loved us before the foundation of the world. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. I have to determine that by God's love letter that God loves sinners. (laughs) Praise God, I'm glad he did. It was Jonathan Swift who said this. Jonathan Swift was the author of Gulliver's Travels. And this was a quote. He said, we have just enough religion to hate, but not enough religion to love. God help us today to love God. I I preached 15 minutes on the love of God. Now let's preach about 10 on the love for God. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about God's love for me. I'm talking about my love for Him. My love for Him needs to be motivated because He loved me when I was unlovable. He loved me when I was a sinner. He loved me before the foundation of the world. He loved me in my mother's womb. He loved me when I was born in sin. He loved me when I sinned. He loved me when He saved me knowing that I'd never stop sinning. Let that sink in. You say, preacher, you're supposed to stop sinning after you get saved. I know, tell my flesh that. Don't look at me, I'll have trouble with your flesh too. Amen. I'll have to wrestle this old flesh till the day I die, but yet God still loves me. Wow. His unmarried and unearned, undeserved favor was directed toward us. The Bible says in this was manifest the love of God because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here's the definition of love. The Bible says herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. God. Loved us. here's the definition of love oh you say the definition of love preacher is this nice little feeling of emotion that we get around our hearts <laughs> here in his love not that we love God but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. If God loved us, and He did, He proved His love, and He did, He wrote us a love letter, and He did, then you hear me this morning, you and I ought to reciprocate that same love back to God. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt, this is a commandment, thou shalt love the Lord God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy strength, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. God help us, church, to reciprocate the love of God back to him. If I love God, I'll love you. If I love God, I'll love his word. If I love God, I'll love this church. If I love God, I'll love the sinners that God loves. Amen. Can I tell you something? God's poured his heart (laughs) into us. I looked up that, that expression. What does Google say that... Pouring your heart into something is, it means the idea of great effort to strain, to push for, to press into, or focus all of our energy towards. <laughs> God, help us to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Did you know one of the worst human emotions that you can ever experience? I'm getting hot and I ain't preaching on hell. One of the worst human emotions that you can ever experience is love spurned. You pour your love into someone or something and it's not returned. That's one of the hardest emotions to deal with. It's when love is not returned. God has poured his heart out into us on the cross of Calvary at creation. God has poured his love out into us. Can we not return that same devotion, that same adoration, that same affection? <laughs> the best way to prove our love for the Lord is to keep his commandments. Amen. Jesus said, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. A friend of mine made a t-shirt. Say a friend of mine, he was an old classmate. That said, I love Jesus, but I love beer. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You might as well make a t-shirt that says, I love Jesus, but I love adultery. Amen. Uh, You might as well make a t-shirt, I love Jesus, but I love gambling. Hey, a man cannot serve two masters. He'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll love the one and hate the other. Amen. A man cannot... What are you saying, preacher? The love of God will get us out of sin. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said in 1 John 2.15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And and in this, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. (laughs) He that doeth the will of God. If you love me, keep my commandments. (laughs) I think of the passage of scripture where the Bible says, it's in Matthew 21, a man had two sons. And he looked at his first son and he said, go labor in my vineyard. And the first son looked at him plainly and sassily and said, I will not. But he got to thinking about it, the Bible said, and later on he repented and he worked in the field. But the man had a second son and he went to the second son and he said, go work in my vineyard. And the second son, oh, I'll I'll go, Dad, I sure will, I'll go do that. But the second one didn't go. And Jesus asked this question in Matthew 21, Whither of them twain did the will of his father? And they say unto him the first, Jesus said, verily I say unto you that publicans and harlots shall go into the kingdom of God before you. I've met a lot of people who will just come to church with a big smile on their face and they'll volunteer for anything, but it'll never get done. (laughs) Where's the love of God? Where's the motivation? And I've met some people that you think, man, they're sitting on the back pew and they're not listening and and then all of a sudden you have a need and they're on your doorstep. Amen, preacher. Hey, the love of God. Be like the first son. Even if it's a job you don't want to do, even if you seem obstinate against it at first, at least do it, repent and do it. That's who's doing the will of God. Not the one who serves with lip service, but the one who loves and labors in that love. (laughs) Love. God is love. The love of God, as I close, is the greatest principle in the world. But the love for God is the greatest commandment in the world. Let me say that again. The love of God is the greatest principle in the world. But the love for God is the greatest commandment. Do the scriptures ever seem locked up to you? The love for God will unlock them. Does your prayer life seem like it's going nowhere? The love of God will unlock it. Does it seem like your life is on a one-way track to nowhere? The love for God will get you on the right track. Amen. David, as I close, David found the keys to the love of God. He said in the psalm, I will... Love thee, O Lord, my strength. David made a decision in his life. Listen to me carefully. I'm closing the message. David made a decision in his life. He said, Lord, I will love you. I'll get a hold of my will. And I'll love you with my will. And he found, guess what he discovered? He discovered as he loved God that it unlocked the blessings of God in his life. He discovered that as he loved God, that his life became happier and more full and had more meaning and things went better because he was loving God. And then he opens up and says this, after discovering that great principle, David turns to us and says this, "Oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful. David said, I discovered a great principle and I want to teach it to you. Your love for God will open the windows of heaven. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. God will turn from his wrath but he'll never turn from his love. God will turn from his vengeance, but he'll never turn from his love. God will turn from his anger, his chastisement, his retribution, but he'll never turn from his love. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you saved? And if you are, do you love the Lord? Do you realize what he's done for you? Do you realize that our love needs to be reciprocated? That David found the practice of the love for God. Opened the windows of heaven and tried to teach that same principle to us. you realize this morning that you say, Well, preacher, why does God place people in hell if He loves us? Is it because... Some people spurn his love and he can't handle it and he gets jealous and puts them in hell. No, God puts people in hell because they wouldn't turn from their sin. I wonder if there'd be one this morning by your own confession. You say, preacher, I'm not saved. I've never really experienced this, what you're talking about, this deep love of God, this forgiveness. I need that in my heart. I need it in my life. I I want the blessings of God. I've never experienced that. Would you slip up your hand quickly? Anybody at all? So we wait just a moment, you, I'm preacher, I'm not saved. Would you pray for me? Preacher, I need to know. I'm not sure of my, my salvation. Anybody at all? We wait just a moment. You know, in the Bible, God changed his mind about Hezekiah's punishment. And he gave him 15 more years. But he didn't change his mind about his love. He changed his mind about Jonah and the whale. When Jonah repented, but he didn't change his mind about his love. God would have changed his mind about Sodom and Gomorrah if he'd have found five righteous people. But he didn't change his mind about his love. The Bible says, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that you might be able to with all the fullness of God